walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. It's the hardest. Walk around and disregard it. Should you walk around, show you what heart is. Standing strong and proud of me, and I can't. Let's get started. Yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grit, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest part cast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but Pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping this track. Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah. Ooh, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, also known as Kyle. How's everybody doing today? Ready to talk some tits and ass wrestling? I know I am. I always am. Even though uh, we are full Russo mode here in TNA, we are officially. Well, he was there in the beginning. It was the whole thing. Like in the asylum. We don't talk about the asylum. The asylum is non canon here in the impact zone. Uh, but Russo is back. Vincent Russo, if you're unfamiliar, uh, prominent writer, uh, etc. for WWE, WCW, and he's he's here in TNA just to just to add his little spice to everything, isn't? Is God, dude? Okay, it's like look at these TNA reviews, right? There's always it's always like half bullshit, half good stuff, right? I mean, wrestling, you have the good with the bad always, but TNA always, for whatever reason, goes to the extremes. Like, the X Division stuff is always amazing, and then you have, like, Jeff Jarrett hitting people with cellos in the main event. Like, it, it's a it's a weird balancing act that they kind of hit, usually. No Surrender, 2006, the show we're covering today. The balance is, uh, if, if someone was on the balance, this is a... This is a Walenda. What's the guy's name? <laughs> Carl Walenda. Are you guys familiar with him? You familiar with the flying Walendas? Well, it was, it was a gentleman that uh, decided to do a trapeze in between. I think it was like two hotels or something. It was windy. He fell to his death. It was very sad. But as far as the balance of good and bad on this show, man, Jay Lethal was walking that type rope and boy howdy did he did he fucking is this bad taste? Is this a bad <laughs> It's a bad show. I'm just, it's, it's not a bad show. There is a lot of good on well, there's some good on this show, but man, there are just some things that it's like we usually and we'll get into it. I don't want to, you know, be redundant about what we talk about, because believe me, we get into it. Usually with these shows, man, you got like Jarrett doing his thing. And then you'll have like another match, you know, that's like doing wacky gimmicky stuff. And then, But you'll have like the X division, right? Or you'll have the tag team division. They'll give you like a really good match. And while on the show, we get a we get an awesome ultimate X match between LAX and the team of AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. We also get 
the X Division. I'm, I'm not even going to say it. It's just, it's like, it should be good, but man, they just throw a piece of feces right at it. And then they, every wrestler slips on it and they fall face first into it. And, and all of this is outside of the main event of this show. Fans revenge. Yeah. Let's throw a bunch of fans around the ring with belts and have them whip Jeff Jarrett. There's so many issues with this, the build up, the execution, how it was presented. I don't want to shit on the entire show, but uh, well, I guess we will in a second. But before we do, got to give a shout out to my guest, BC, from the Wrestling With The Truth podcast, Wrestling With The War, Wrestling With The 80s, all of that stuff. My boy BC does awesome, awesome guest. Love having him on the show. I was actually on his show uh, pretty recently. We covered Royal Rumble 1996. So if anything, Check that out and uh, dip your toes into his waters, into his Canadian waters. Uh, if they're not still on fire, I don't know if that's still a thing. Uh, but do that. BC, he goes into, as you know, he has lots of podcasts and sub podcasts. He does a lot of retro reviews, 80s. Not a lot of people doing reviews of the 80s, the territories and stuff like that. So BC gets into that as well as, you know, the Monday Night Wars and Wrestling with the Truth gets into a lot of current day stuff, too. So. Check him out. He's a good boy. Very entertaining podcast. And check me out at Apron Bump on all the social medias. Follow me. Like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube or to the podcast platform you're listening to this on. Do all of that happy horse shit. Hey, if you like TNA or if you just like hearing about TNA burning, well, I suggest you go to ApronBump.com. You go to the episodes tab. You select TNA, and that'll bring you to all of the TNA reviews that I've done so far. Chronologically, I've covered all of their three-hour pay-per-views, starting from their very first one, Victory Road 2004, all the way through 2004, through 2005, through 2006, up until now, which is, uh, what, September, I believe this show was. So lots of TNA content. Binge away. It's always a silly, silly time. Do that. And do this, listen to the episode coming at you. TNA, No Surrender 2006, with myself and BC Hunter from Wrestling With The Truth and Wrestling With The War and Wrestling With The 80s and Wrestling With My Sexuality. <laughs> that last one was a joke. I wouldn't... He does weird stuff with poutine, though. I wouldn't be surprised if... <laughs> For sure. I, I'm borrowing his uh, Yeti blue for mine. <laughs> That's a solid one, too. Yeah, you sound good. I mean, it's, you know, just your natural voice is smooth and silky and sultry. So <laughs> you have that going for you. I've well, never gotten that compliment before. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm like a like list. a ghetto disco inferno. <laughs> you are? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's worse things, right? <laughs> ghetto Gilberti. Ghetto Gilberti. Yes, there you go. Live stream. He was in TNA at one point. He was, was, yeah, with, with Sports Entertainment Extreme. Oh, dude, I just watched the uh, the first anniversary show recently. Yep. It was rough. <laughs> it made me appreciate <laughs> like this era that we're about, we're going to talk about today because that was uh, did you because did you watch TNA like back in the Asylum days? Yeah, yeah, actually, I did. Uh, 
I forget. Like, I, I don't know how I was getting it. That's the only thing because it was on like a weekly pay-per-view type of deal. But I remember watching it. And um, and then, yeah, right up until about this point, like 2006-ish, 2000, yeah, about that, I was kind of, yeah. spon- you know, sporadic. And then they signed Angle. And so I had to start watching when Angle came on board. Right. Which, ironically, is the end of this pay-per-view. And then through the whole Hogan era, that was interesting. You know, at least it was, it's hard to believe like they were getting more viewers than what, you know, Raw's getting right now. Right. Which is insane. I mean, it's, you know, it, it makes sense considering who they had eventually. And this, yeah, th- this show kind of, I mean, the ball's already rolling, but Angle is like the big one. And that's yeah. when like everybody starts coming over because they already have Christian and the Dudleys and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no surrender show we're talking about today what what you think of the show man have, have you watched any tna recently uh yeah i'll i'll check in on impact uh on a regular basis if i can't watch the episodes i'll at least go on and try to find like highlights of the stuff because uh right. they're kind of like my guilty pleasure if you want to say that um because they're kind of in between wwe and in and uh aew in my view like right. aew is like just complete you know for the folks that just want to go crazy with the the acrobatic matches wwe is a little bit too much on the storyline impact does a little bit of both you know you get the the acrobatic matches you get the storylines you get some uh-huh. crazy stuff you know like the different worlds they go in with especially like decay and stuff like that and then you know it's a it's it's a guilty pleasure i'd say and i for some reason i root for them i don't know why they've done nothing yeah. for me but yet i don't know what's this now this would be 21 years for them now and that they're been yeah. in business. Yeah. They just, oh. well, we're in June now. So that's probably right around 21 years today. Yeah. I mean, longer than WCW when you think about it. Yeah. No, it's, it's insane because yeah, I mean like, yeah, definitely modern day impact. It's like, I never make my way to go watch it, but whenever that there've been periods where I'm, I'm in and out, you know, currently, but I feel like if they did like bigger venues, Mm. I would probably I might be more tempted or if it was just more convenient to watch um, it's, it was with how much competition there is nowadays, yep. the barrier to entry is super high and it's mm-hmm. not the barrier to entry, but it's, it's, you know, captivated an audience to make time to watch you versus other companies. So, yes. Yeah. They, like you said, they have a lot of great talent and they the storylines they do are good. I mean, that it mm-hmm. seems like a good show. It's just, you know. I love that they have uh, Nick Aldis back. Uh, that he's yes. just Mister Mister Impact. I, honestly, I'd love to see Impact and NWA do a merge because I feel like they're kind of cohesive right. that way. Whereas no different than AEW and ROH merging, right? It just seems like something to go together. But they give them a bit more star power, and you know, maybe just get rid of that whole uh, Impact TNA stuff and just go with the NWA name or something like when- that. Especially when they, they started as NWA TNA, so it'd be hilarious yeah. if they just went back to NWA Impact or something. Why but the heck not? You I'm know? all just, for it. Yeah, just like, let's pare it down to like having three real major leagues, WWE, mm-hmm. NWA, and, and then AEW, right? Yeah, exactly. I was even going to say Impact's like almost like a better version of NWA. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 2006 TNA mm. was a whole different animal. Man, they are, um, I will say this show to me, because I've been watching all of these shows chronologically. Yeah, not not one of the stronger shows, but I think there's a few. Re- it, was, it wasn't bad, but compared to other shows, I think because there's a few things. One, they're building to Bound for Glory the next month. Yeah. So 
it's like they're planting seeds for that, but they're also like prepping for Kurt Angle, who just got signed. Um, and the, the main event of the show, I feel like, was just a conceptually dumb. So yeah. and a, a lot of things were conceptually dumb. By the way, we're in full Russo mode here. Yes. Uh, he was. So I checked on Wikipedia and it said that he was that he came back like three days before this show, but I was watching all the impacts leading up to this and it, it felt like he was there. So because mm. like on impact, we were getting like uh, the hangman's horror match, which yeah. is like a, a dog collar match, but you win by throwing your opponent over and choking him out. We had uh, a 10,000 thumbtacks match between Rhino and abyss. We had uh or I'm sorry, between uh between brother brother Runt and Abyss, we had uh, a border brawl, like all these goofy gimmicks, and there's a lot of goofy shenanigans on this show. But yeah, overall, no surrender. Oh six. What'd you what'd you think of the show? Uh, I didn't hate it. Uh, I'll put it that way. I thought it was entertaining. Um, it's interesting to go look back at these people because it's jogs the memory. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember, uh, you know, so and so doing that angle. Then there's other people. I'm like, I completely just blanked out. I don't remember these people at all. And, mm-hmm. and even though I was probably watching the product at that time, you don't remember A one. That's who I was going to talk about. A <laughs> one. I don't remember yet. He was part of Team Canada for three years. I found out on Wikipedia, but I'm like, I don't remember A mm-hmm. one at all. And I was a fan of Team Canada. <laughs> Not know, a lot of reason to remember him. It's required. I'm I'm Canadian, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I went I'd like I like to go on like Wikipedia and look up a you know a few of the pay per views prior just to kind of get an idea. Okay, where are the storylines going with this? Mm-hmm. So I kind of had an idea going in, but yeah, this is um decent show. There's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff, and uh, if that seemed like I guess really the whole motto for TNA over their lifetime. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny because you were saying like seeing where some of these guys are now it was because like on impact plus they have the advertisements for the current impact stuff above it like a little banner above it and so i'm watching the show and alex shelley's in like the middle of the card just one of 50 guys in a battle royal just kind of a mid card undercard guy and then you look up to the left he's the world champion now (laughs) it's just funny how things change uh, Saban's doing jackass stuff. <laughs> well, Saban's like the, in the exact same position, fighting yeah, for the exhibition exactly. title. So, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, lots to get into on this show. But yes. it opens up with uh, I always love their production of like their intros, even though they're, they're it's a little over the top and a little unnecessarily over the top. But they have because one of the bigger storylines going on right now is LAX. Yeah. versus AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. And there, there's the whole element, obviously, with you know Mexico and America and immigration and all that. So yeah. we get little clips of like past presidents speaking on, I guess, like immigration type stuff. And it's just very dramatic and war. Yeah. And then you have obviously all the wrestling build up like in between these clips. What do you think of like the, I guess the production in general on this show and how the show opened up? I thought I, I thought that aspect of it was outstanding. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You've been following this, Kyle, but um, is it not? Uh, is it Dave Sahadi who does all this this stuff, this production stuff, or mm. who used to be with WWE during the Attitude Era? If I'm not mistaken, I think that's who was doing. It. So it, it makes yeah. sense because you know when you watch like an Armageddon '99 uh, package, it fits the same as this type of package. Right. But yeah. I thought that stuff was great. Now, of course, the the what they call the impact zone or whatever it was back mm-hmm. then, but that to me, like 
even just going back and watching it, I figured, well, maybe I'll have some like, you know, uh, nostalgia for it. But I'm like, no, God, that was that that ring, that six sided ring. And then that impact zone was just horrible. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the production was great. I like the tunnels. I like the tunnel. I like the heels coming out one side, the faces coming out the other side. The six-sided ring, I can kind of give it. I I like that it set itself apart, even though maybe functionally it isn't a great idea, but... um, That's my issue with the functionality of it. (laughs) Uh, But it made it for a good pounce from Monty Brown. That's really all (laughs) I care about, honestly. Monty Brown's the only guy who benefited from that ring, but everybody else is like confused when they're getting thrown into a turnbuckle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of confused, one guy that's always confused is A1 who's in this opening match, taking on his former Team Canada teammate, Eric Young. So really, I mean, this is just a showcase for Eric Young. EY yeah. is super over at this point. Team Canada, Team Canada just disbanded a few months ago, so everybody's yeah. still trying to find their footing. A1 never really did, but Eric Young, just the, the paranoid, goofy dude that he would go on to continue to be. Um, but he's really finding his stride. Now the crowds, he comes out with some fans. They like do his little hand motion. They're all chanting his name throughout the entire match. I mean, they love Eric Young and he's, he's spread out all throughout this show. He's all over the impacts, but, uh, the match itself is what it is. But, uh, I don't know. What'd you, what'd you think of Eric Young versus a one here? So I love Eric Young. I've loved him since the early days and, and now even, Eric Young today, I think he's still like one guy that just is completely misused, but was misused by WWE. He's in WWE sure. now, isn't he? I, I, Allegedly. I don't even know. <laughs> I'm not even sure because they're not using the guy. But um, yeah, it's funny because before we confirmed about doing this, I happened to be watching uh, the clip somewhere of Jim Cornette when he came in and he just, you know, basically pulled the old WCW 2000 and just changed everything right and i'm like right trying to remember what period this from well actually it was like two months before this pay-per-view is when that happened and and one of the things was he disbanded team canada and you know young young is pretty hilarious like um and and a1 like again i don't know i couldn't remember him for life of me but uh he actually was not bad i mean he could go in there and he's got some good size and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. yeah it was definitely a showcase for young and young's really getting over with his comedic chops in this is now is this before or after Super Eric? This is before. Before, I believe. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this is the period where he, a while ago, I, I think it was Jim Cornette was going to like fire some people, and Eric Young was like, oh, he doesn't fire, fire me. So there's this whole running thing where he's like camping out in front of Cornette's office and stuff like yeah. that. But now he just carries, he's always paranoid. He's going to get fired now. So the don't like fire Eric kept- thing. They kept hot, hit, uh, hinting around to the uh, the massive announcement was going to be Eric Young's firing at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a massive announcement at the end of the show. They kept building to yeah. that. But yeah. um wonder what that is. But yeah, A1. Yeah, A1, it's like, he's fine. He's just as generic as generic gets. He was, yeah. My wife was watching this particular match with, with me, and she was like, is that bootleg Triple H in there? I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's whatever. Some spine busters from A one, but ultimately he's he's like the love child of Triple H and Test. Okay, okay. I don't know if I've ever heard him talk. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> yeah. it's probably a reason for that. Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> but A uh, one goes for a uh, tombstone or something onto Eric, but Eric does a nice little counter. He flips over, 
and transitions right into the wheelbarrow neckbreaker for yeah. the win. So EY gets the win. Crowd goes home. Well, they don't go home, but the crowd's happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, A1 sucks. So any other thoughts? <laughs> I, I like that wheelbarrow cutter is what I called it. I don't even know what it is, but that was a cool it's move. pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Eric, I mean, he wouldn't be like a legit. It's funny. He was like this comedy character for years and years. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, world champion. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, with, he had a brief little detour as like a heel of yeah. a faction. But then he's a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> then, he's, then he's dead. Then he's dead. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. That's why he's not on WWE is because he's he passed away, I think. Yeah. Cody oh. Diener. Yeah. <laughs> well, we go backstage after that and. The main event of this show is a uh, fans revenge match, which is uh, Jeff Jarrett versus Samoa Joe. And uh, I don't know if you heard, but the people of the impact zone, they, they hate Jeff Jarrett. He's a liar, apparently. Yes. Yes. yes, Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, just months, if not years of Jarrett, just, uh, just being a dirt ball. So the fans finally get their chance at revenge as per the name. So uh, Mm. the main event. There will be like, what was it, like 18 fans around the ring, all with leather straps, belts, yeah. straps, whatever they were. Um, but I guess they're still trying to figure out which fans are going to be holding those straps. So they hold, I guess this is before the show, they have like these test of strength competitions, <laughs> like the old car- carnival hammer on the deal. Yeah. And it's like, OK, this is how we're weeding What's them that out. What's that to do with a strap, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> it is. I, don't, I have no idea. It also... Like in the weeks leading up to this, you could send in a tape or whatever. I don't know what you would send. I guess a CD <laughs> yeah. of uh, a video of yourself describing how much you hate Jeff Jarrett. And mm-hmm. I would not want to be the person who had to watch all of those. So <laughs> I don't know if that's actually what went into choosing these people or if they were like plants or what. But yeah, that's something. But we get a little uh, vignette, I guess, building to that. Um and then they go to Jim Cornette's office and we're still building to Cornette says that we got a big announcement and it's going to be made by somebody that's not on the card. And I guess it's going to be at the end of the show. So, but clearly very excited. I wonder what his angle is, huh? Uh, there you uh, go. Skirt angle. So the next <laughs> match, we got Petey I, Williams. You go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I can never get enough Cornette. So uh, I love oh, he's great on the screen. I, yeah. Yeah. I feel like he wasn't there a long time, but I wish no. he was because he was like yeah. the perfect authority figure for TNA was, for whatever yeah. reason. Um, but something that was not perfect was this next match. We got Petey oh. Williams versus Jay Lethal. This match oh. annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. You like hear that as like, oh, it sounds it's like a middle of the road X division match. How bad could that be? Well, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be bad if they just went out there and wrestled. But as per what I said earlier, we're in full Russo mode at this point. So we got to add a little spice to this spice being laxatives. Yeah. yeah. Petey poos himself in this match. So, yeah. So, and the whole thing. So we got the X division. So we've moved on from like AJ and Daniels and Samoa Joe, who kind of monopolized the division for like several months. So now we're kind of in this new era of the X division with guys like lethal Saban, Sanjay Dutt, P.D. Williams, a lot of guys who don't have a lot of character at this point. So I feel like this was an attempt to establish characters for people, but it to say it fell flat would be putting it mildly. 
Um, bro, bro, it worked for Val Venus, so it'll work for you, right? Yeah. It was, and also oh. on, on top of all of this, they're uh, I guess sponsored by uh, Jackass Number Two, which yeah. is a movie that's coming out around this point, and they have like on Impact leading up to this. So you have this group of uh, Jay Lethal, Chris Sabin, Sanjay Dutt. They're all just like guys, just Tom Foot, like shit. Uh, what do we call them? Juvenile delinquents. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, then instead of, you know, watching tape on wrestling, they're like playing video games or they're watching Jackass and Jerry Lynn, who's like the veteran backstage, keeps yelling at them. Um, but they're basically just goofing off at this point. And I guess they put laxatives in Petey Williams water leading up to this match. And uh, I don't know. What would you make of this match and how it unfolded? After oh, that? my God. I Well, there's so many things I want to say about this. First of all, like <laughs> just what a snapshot in time this is watching this episode. Like it's so mid two thousands, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, you know, the big baggy pants and the, and the, you know, those, what do you call them? Conch shell necklaces and the frosted oh, tips yeah. and all this stuff. Sanjay's like, oh, huge, like baseball yes, jersey and his yes, sideways oh hat. My God. Uh, the sideburns and all that stuff. And I mean, I, I, I thought I, I, I remember back, I wasn't a big Sanjay Dutt fan, but I'm like, God, man, he's annoying now in AEW, but uh, he was so annoying in this, just with the yeah. facials and all that stuff. I'm thinking to myself, you got PD Williams and Jay lethal, by the way, Jay lethal looks so small here compared to what he looks like now. But <laughs> you have these two amazing X division wrestlers and you just completely screw up the match with this whole laxative angle. You have PD Williams just looking like an idiot trying to sell mm-hmm. the whole, he's got the shits basically. And then you go, you got uh, um, the stuff at the, I'll let you talk about the stuff at the end with this, but it's just beyond like, this is, this is, yeah. I don't know, just shouldn't even been put on television for two guys that, that potential world champions in your future there with uh Saban. I can't remember if lethal won it, but Saban definitely did. Yeah, it's just uh, like there was no faith in the wrestling. They needed like no, too much no. extra bullshit here. But yeah, like you said, so Petey, they show him drinking water, and then backstage, you know, Sanjay alludes to putting laxatives in his. Like you said, he's so annoying. Yeah, I don't remember he him is. being annoying back then. He was so annoying. Oh, <laughs> but I just to um, punch him. I guess he got to sell it somehow. But yeah. At one point, uh, Jay Lethal goes for a sunset flip onto PD, but PD counters it. And it's at this point where he like grabs his stomach. He's like, oh, oh, there's some rumbling down there. I guess he's farting or whatever the hell. The, the commentators are even like, oh, you smell that? Oh, yeah. God. Le- Lethal's doing the face, too. And I'm like, and, and I'm thinking, this isn't even a title match. So why wouldn't you just roll out of there and leave? Like, what's <laughs> what's on the line here? Like, there's put a stipulation that, like, I don't know, that PD Williams has to, like, retire or something if he doesn't right. compete in this match jeez he has to shave his head put on chain mail and flex yeah, yeah. <laughs> that should be the uh yeah but yeah jay lethal he like sees this so he starts just like punching him in the stomach and he hits him with an atomic drop which i guess i guess it's the best move for the situation there's a uh I don't know the the this is stupid chant is actually in a later match. I that, thought that was this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought it was going to be this one too, but yeah, no. it's it's very akin to it though. Um, yeah, PD gets some offense in, but I mean after everything, he's like favoring his stomach, and at one point or towards the end, he's going for the Canadian Destroyer, but he can't do it, so he tries to run away finally, but then Jay pulls him back, rolls him up for the win, so Jay Lethal wins. And uh, 
yeah, that's, this was something, huh? I just realized, yeah, I'm sorry. I just mixed up the two matches, the, the, this one with Williams and lethal and son and, um, yeah and i'm like oh my god they did it twice they did they this, blur this together whole, yeah they garbaged this up twice and <laughs> i thought i thought after watching this match well at least there can't be anything worse than this and then it does mm. get worse later on yeah and usually the x division is like the uh the oasis the from the bullshit <laughs> you have like yeah, jared jared yeah. doing his stupid shit but then, all right we got x division we get some wrestling yep. here but we we're not spared from it this time yeah, it's like it used to be like the cruiserweights for wcw to steal the show and then do your other garbage yeah. after yeah um but it's funny you say that how this is a snapshot in time because i mean both these guys will look very different in a matter yeah. of months because we got i don't know when pd's little pop pop a pump or whatever the hell he was starts but i think that's soon yeah and J- jay lethal becomes black machismo i believe this is all within a year this happens yeah. so very interesting very interesting. But <laughs> after that, we got a no DQ three-way dance. Brother Runt versus Raven versus Abyss. So I will say this, this is probably one of the top matches for me on this show. Right. Weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird to say, but it wasn't it wasn't the best, but it was very creative. It might have been very convoluted at certain points, but I think these guys went out there and had a pretty brutal match. Yep. Um, the build up, as far as the build up goes, Bubba and Devon of the Dudleys, of course, brother run is Spike. Uh, Bubba and Devon are, I think, in Japan at this point. So they have left. And but before they left, they told Runt to not get himself in any trouble. Of course, Runt goes and picks a fight with Abyss. So they have a bunch of fights. And then Raven enters the picture because. I guess Raven's tight with the Dudleys and he was like, uh, you know, Abyss was, you know, preying on Runt. So Raven was trying to pull Runt in to join his new faction. But then Runt was like, nah, you don't control me. So now everybody's fighting everybody and now it's no DQ and we're using kendo sticks and all that shit. So, um, but it was, like I said, pretty creative stuff here. Any spots in this match stick out to you? Yeah, there was. I will start out by saying I love Abyss. I think he's a oh, yeah. very un- under, very underrated big man, uh, you know, masked man, whatever you want to call him. I, I mm-hmm. think he's great, and it's 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 interesting to see he's in like he's in great shape here too. Like this is uh, early on. Abyss. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I always like Raven. He's just a great character. I was yeah. never a fan of Spike Dudley. I'm just I, like I'm not a. I don't know. Uh, I just it never just worked for me with, with spike, but as I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, this is probably the best version of spike Dudley that he's ever done. Cause he's yeah. different than a Dudley boy. He's like, you know, kind of going with that De Niro taxi driver look, you know, but uh, right. yeah, there was, there was quite a few spots. I mean, the, uh, I, I marked a few down, but like, just, it was just like a car wreck match. I mean, um, Raven hit a gusher with, with his blade job, but uh, you know, he, Ooh, he was doing yeah. good, doing good with that. Um, the the Balor stomp off the top of the uh, entranceway, um, where he just brother Runt just caught like a little bit of abyss. That that could have been. An I don't amazing... know. I don't know how he didn't shatter his ankle. Doing I know. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he needed to hit abyss to to help himself out. But and of course, I mean, abyss would have been able to take it. Uh, other than that, like the 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 hanging uh, situation with the chain, that was a pretty yeah. cool. I've never. I don't remember seeing 
something like that before. I mean, like where it's it, like I've seen like where they've done it over the top rope and stuff. And you clearly mm-hmm. see the guys like feet are on the ground, but this was a literal hanging by, yeah. by Raven. Um, and they just, they went at it hard. I mean, these, these guys weren't in cruise control on this. They were, I mean, Abyss always just would put his body through hell, but like Runt mm-hmm. was into it. Even Raven seemed motivated in this match. Yeah, Runt's, I'm kind of with you in terms of Spike. In his, in his WWE run, nothing really captured my imagination with him. But yeah. from what I've seen from him in TNA, everything everything from he's done in TNA has been pretty good from what I've seen. And I haven't seen a ton of him in ECW, but I think he even has a better run in there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match, like you said, just a, a car crash. You got your usual suspects, kendo sticks, trash cans, chairs, cookie sheets. Uh, and you got Raven busting out a gladiator helmet. Yes. <laughs> so stupid. He just puts it on his head and headbutts guy's balls with it. I like um, when he takes it off. You can clearly tell it's rubber when he puts it on the mat. <laughs> it's not, uh, not genuine. Yeah. Uh, what was the deal? So at one point, I think Raven put the bell, the ring bell on Abyss's balls and then he yeah. hit him with, was it a bat he hit him with? Runt came in and hit him with the bat. I think he knocked Raven out of the ring and then he hit um, hit the bell with the bat. It yeah. looked brutal. It looked like he swung it, it as hard as he could. So this is God one of the complaints about the little guys. Even like you say, Ray Mysterio, all the little guys are able to go full force in every move because they 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 you know they have to sell that like they're actually doing some impact yeah. on the big guys. Meanwhile, the big guys have to take it easy on them. And it's like I, I feel like it's unfair because <laughs> like I mean, Runt was just wailing on these guys with the kendo sticks and the and the sheets and all that stuff he's got to yeah oh. um and then the, the stomp that you brought up so they fight towards the tunnel towards the stage area they set up a table on the stage raven and abyss are fighting at some point abyss gets laid out on the table runt just appears at the top of the stage double stomp and like you said he like barely he like slid off of abyss's stomach the yeah. table doesn't even break no. <laughs> and a fucking runt just lands on his feet. Somehow, somehow it doesn't shatter his ankle. Like I said, um, then the dog collar comes into play. He gets hung. Raven brings runt to the, this like scaffold in the corner of the stage and yanks him up by the neck and then ends up pushing him off the scaffold through a stack of two tables that I guess he had set up previously. It's funny, like a shitty magician just like pulling a cloth off the table. It's like, ah, I've prepared these two tables right here. David Copperfield. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, Runt gets knocked off, goes through the tables. Raven drags Runt to the ring, pins him. But James Mitchell puts Runt's foot on the ropes, which I guess, Mm -hmm. I guess it's not false count anywhere, right? So there is rope breaks. They actually mentioned that too because yeah. uh, I think they went for the pin on Runt while after the table spot. And they clearly mentioned this isn't false count. How could that not be a false count anywhere? Uh, I guess. Got to have the some thing, order here. The other thing with the tables, I'm thinking to myself, my God, how long have we been doing table spots for? And why why is table spots still get fans charged up? I mean, it's like. Uh, can we can we all just stop chanting for tables? Like, oh, I know. I hate that. Like, why do you chant for tables every match? Oh God. Um, but yeah, I mean, so Raven brings runts to the ring. He pins him foot on the ropes. Raven's distraught. James Mitchell, you piece of shit. Then Raven turns around right into the black hole slam from abyss. Abyss pins him one, two, three. So abyss gets the win. 
And uh, yeah, just a good fun match. And that's really all that this yep. was set out to be. So I think they, uh, I think they accomplished their goal here. Completely agree. It was, it was a fun match to watch. Yeah. And tough to watch at some points, but yeah. uh, a good match. Yeah. I guess that's the idea. Yeah. Speaking of tough to watch, here's a match that's a little tough to understand. At least at first it was. So we got an NWA world tag team title, number one contendership, triple chance battle royal. All right. I'm going to run down these teams. I think it's what, eight teams? So we got before, before yeah. you do that, can I just point out too? How about the the backstage segment with Borash and Jarrett? And Jarrett's got like 40 t shirts on <laughs> in anticipation of the uh whipping match. This man is playing checkers, <laughs> everyone else is playing chess. I, I mean, love. I hate it, I hated Jarrett back then, but I love that. That was that was great heel stuff right there. Jarrett's become a guilty pleasure of mine yes. in watching this TNA. His TNA yeah. run was great. I don't care what anybody mm-hmm. says. Um but yeah, so we got so this is a tag team battle royal. So we got eight teams in here, I believe, and the winner of the battle royal gets is obviously the number one contender for the tag team titles. Um, so we got the team of Kazarian and Maverick Matt versus the team of Norman Smiley and Shark Boy versus the team of Lance Hoyt and Ron Killings versus AMW versus the Naturals, versus the James Gang, versus the Paparazzi, which is Alex Shelley and Johnny Devine, versus the Diamonds in the Rough, the team of Elix Skipper and Simon Diamond. Any names kind of just jump out at you in this match? I'll correct you. So Diamonds in the Rough was Elix Skipper and David Young, wasn't it? With Simon Diamond as the manager? No, you're right. I copied this from Cage Match, so I blame them. But like, You're right. Yes, that was some okay. So a couple of things that jumped to mind. Number one, David Young completely forgot about him. But watching those early Asylum years, I'm like that guy was a mainstay in the early days right. of TNA. Um, and I completely forgot about the Naturals. But now seeing them again, I remember them and mm-hmm. a- AMW had a fantastic feud um, for oh yeah quite quite some time. Other than that, again, it's just weird to see guys like. You know, Lance Hoyt, you know, how young he looks there. And, and um, you know, the rest of it was just ugh, just too much. There, again, TNA gets this nice little platter of great stuff and they go, OK, let's sprinkle 14 more things <laughs> on top of it. You know, <laughs> you didn't like the triple chance battle royal rules. Oh, God. I don't think it's the worst rules it. they've had for a battle royal. Over no, reverse time, battle so. royal is always going to go down. That's the worst one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's not super convoluted. It's really so it's you got teams in there. So if one team member gets eliminated, they stay ringside until their other team member gets eliminated and then they go to the back. Um, but once they get to the final two teams, each team member, if they've been eliminated, gets back in and then they have a normal tag team match to close it out. Yeah. Which is fine, I guess. It was just funny. <laughs> like, they have to add something to it. I know. As, uh, as Jim Cornette says, a hat on a hat. <laughs> yes. And also, the, the they did a little, little video package leading up to this match. And it only focuses on AMW and the Naturals. So it's like, gee, yeah. I wonder who's the final two are going to be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but there's, there's tension within uh, AMW, the team of Chris Harris and uh, James Storm. They've been bickering for about a month or two they haven't been on the same page and similar deal with the naturals and their new manager shane douglas 
uh, Shane Douglas kind of tried to transform the naturals into his own vision. And there's been some butting heads there. And Douglas is basically like, Hey, if you guys don't win this, then we're over. And, uh, so yeah, that's, those are the only storylines really going into this. Although some come out of it, I guess, but, uh, I mean, it's a battle Royal. There's no really spots really that stuck out. I mean, what about you? Anything in particular about the match itself, at least it leading up to the final portion of it. Nothing about the match itself. I mean, it's just a standard battle Royal. I mean, with that whole stipulation of, of the partner sticking around and waiting outside, I think they could have done more with that. Maybe have some chaos going on outside or something that right. makes it more interesting. It just, it was just ended up being just people just standing around and half the people that were standing around their partner got eliminated like four seconds after they did. So yeah. there was nothing to it. Um, the other thing that stuck out to me is that AMW having Gail Kim as their manager and uh, Gail Kim, who famously you know, talks about how, you know, WWE just, you know, they focused on the the sexual side of things and, you know, yep. just playing that up. And I'm thinking to myself, well, Gail, I don't think Vince McMahon made you wear those booty shorts you had on. At ringside <laughs> as the there. cameraman follows her yeah. right up her fucking yeah. asshole. In a company called TNA, by the way. Oh, God. <laughs> I guess ultimately it worked out, but. Yeah. Yeah, uh, is. But uh, it's the modern modern day Medusa, really, Gil Kim here <laughs> moving for greener pastures and they're not so mm. green. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a few creative spots. There's one point where uh, Lance Hoyt goes to choke slam Kazarian over the top rope, but Kaz like hot shots him over the top rope. And then him and Matt Maverick Matt do like a leg sweep clothesline yeah. deal. Look pretty sweet. Um, there's one point where Chase Stevens of the Naturals. He goes to like springboard, which I don't know why you're doing that, but I guess he was going to springboard back into the ring, but he gets pushed off the top rope, like goes flying into the crowd, like into the 12th row. Yes. And I guess shatter or breaks his ankle or hurts his ankle or whatever it is. Um, But ultimately his partner, Andy Douglas is able to uh, tough it out. And the final two teams end up being, wouldn't you know it, AMW and the Naturals. So both AMW guys are in there. They're both relatively fresh. They're beating on Andy Douglas. Douglas won't stay down. Um, fuck Chase Stevens crawl. He has like crawl to the ring because he was thrown into the crowd and hurt his ankles. He crawls up the steps, gets on the apron. And uh, oh, I should also say that uh, before the final portion of this match, Harris was eliminated of AMW, but yeah. the refs were distracted by two other teams fighting each other. So they didn't mm. see him getting eliminated. So Harris just gets back in, throws out uh, Kip James. So the James gang should have been in the finals, but they weren't. Right. So AMW versus the Naturals, but the James gang are pissed on the outside because they got cheated out of it. And ultimately, they help the Naturals win. So AMW goes for the death sentence, their double team finisher. But the James gang interrupts and uh, Stevens is able to roll up. James Storm for the win. So the Naturals win. The the, the franchise, Shane Douglas, proves. And uh, I don't know where they go from here, but uh, happy for the Naturals, eh? My big question is, whatever happened to the Naturals? I really, I think we're like towards the end of them. We got to be. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't remember them doing much after this. I do remember them being a good tag team, though. I remember them having some great matches with uh, yeah. AMW. But yeah, just like they just... We're TNA and that's it. No, the early years, I mean, the tag team division in TNA was like their shining 
star. They had AMW, the Naturals. They had Triple X. They had yeah. a bunch of other teams. So, yeah. um, but yeah, it's like an end of an era here because AMW is about to break up, and the Naturals don't have much long. So, yeah, weird, uh, weird transition period here. But so the Naturals, I guess, will face off against the tag champions at some point. Um, but thank God we're back to the X Division. We got the X Division no, title on the line. We got Senshi, the champion, otherwise known as Loki, versus the challenger, Chris Sabin. And my first note here is the booking of Chris Sabin made me root for Senshi in this one. <laughs> yeah. Senshi obviously is like the super serious dude, but man, just looking at Chris Sabin, it's the same deal we were talking about earlier with Jay Lethal and Sanjay Dutt. It's still the same type of stuff. Although the match itself was much better because most of it was very serious until the end. Yeah. But um, I don't know. What do you think of this? What do you think about this one? So what's your thoughts on low key? Are you a fan of low key or no? I enjoy watching him. I wouldn't mm-hmm. say I like low key, but mm-hmm. he's very interesting to watch for sure. He's he's definitely unique, but I, like I just to me, I. He's a guy that took himself way too serious, and I think he just you completely cost yeah. himself a lot of chances, to be quite honest. But uh, it's funny. My wife walked in on this match, and she's like, what are you watching, AEW? <laughs> and I realized, <laughs> honestly, I realized, like, this X Division, this era, even more so than the AJ Samoa Joe, uh, Christopher Daniels era, but this era here really did birth AEW. Like, you can see that a lot of people – were mm-hmm. probably influenced by the, this group of guys because the match style was very similar, except you got a little bit more selling going on at this point with, uh, yeah. with both competitors, which added to the match. So that's what I did like about this match is it wasn't so fast that you didn't have time to breathe during it. You could actually mm-hmm. see them registering the selling. Um, it, yeah, you're right. Like They made Saban unlikable in this match, and I still don't know. Are they supposed to be heels or faces? I mean, they're doing the jackass thing, but are they good guys or bad guys? I think they're supposed to be good guys, oh, but uh, the, cra- <laughs> the crowd did not respond to them as and good I, guys. I, I, what What's amazing to me, and I loved it, I love that there was a this is stupid chant for yes. the whole like for the whole blow up doll thing. Cause you know that if that happens today, the fans are going bananas and they want to make the blow up doll a champion or something like that. That's but, a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually- so it's just nice to see fans actually saying, this is stupid. Get back to You've got two of the best X division wrestlers in the world. Why the hell are you throwing that in there? Look, blow sex dolls. They have their place in wrestling. I don't <laughs> yes. think it was here though. Not it was here, very no. square no. peg and round hole here, but um, <laughs> so to speak. But yeah. they have uh, yeah, Saban versus Senshi here. Uh, Loki's throwing out all the, of course, all of his kicks. Pretty stiff. Um, it's very, what do they call very, it? Is it yeah. a hook kick? Is that what they call it when he grabs his foot and like just lets it snap down on Saban's back of his neck or something yeah. like that? Yeah, it's called oh, like a man. question mark kick too. Oh, that's a devastating looking kick. He's so quick, man. He's so good. Um, like the uh, <laughs> Saban was on the top rope and Senshi does like a cartwheel into a jump into a kick and he counters a suicide dive by kicking him in midair. Like there was some really good stuff from I also marked out for the uh, great Muda elbow that yeah. Loki did. It was I love, so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say this too, you know, as much as, you know, people criticize AEW and say, oh, it's all cartwheels and stuff like that. That cartwheel quick kick by Loki actually makes sense because it plays mm-hmm. with his character with the whole, you know, 
um, karate stuff and all that. So, and he's getting momentum with it, kind of like you say, the great Muda used to do. Yeah. And I've, I've said this before, like the X division in this era, to your point, it, do, it obviously influenced AEW in that style. To me, it just feels so much more organic for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like the camera work or mm-hmm. if it's the, the people themselves doing it, but every, like there's a spot where um, Senshi's in the Tree of Woe and Saban does his hesitation drop kick. But the way they got that there was, was they were both like jockeying for a position on the top rope and then low key like flip Saban off, but then he rolls and then he turns around and kicks him. Like it was just so smooth. It felt so like, I don't want to say realistic, but as realistic as pro wrestling gets, like it just, it was a very smooth. This match was, although they finished could argue could kind of ruined it, but I agree. They they didn't rush through things. Things made sense. Yes. God, that, that the hesitation drop kick was beautiful to watch. I still don't understand how they pull that off, but it's, it's Mm -hmm. like physics defined, but yeah, they just took a couple of extra seconds in between things to let it register with people. And it was interesting. The fans themselves, aside from the, this is stupid champ, but they didn't, they weren't into it at first, but you could feel them coming along with the match and you could feel mm-hmm. the match at first was a bit slower. And then it started to really up the ante and yeah, it was well laid out. Yeah. And a lot of this match too, which kind of plays into why it was slow is Senshi just, feels like a monster here. Like he was pretty much dominating the first, like majority of this match. So, but he's the champion. So I think that that came off well, but we get to the finish. Uh, Saban's boys, Sanjay Dutt and Jay Lethal come out. They have a sex doll, like a blow up sex doll dressed like Chris Saban has like his tights and shit on the crowd boost this, (laughs) which is not what you want in a comedy spot. No, (laughs) there's a, this is stupid chance. I don't know what the I guess they, they threw the doll in to, and then Loki stomps the doll thinking it was him. And then but then Senshi just picks up the doll, throws it at Saban shotgun drop kick through the doll into Saban. And that gets the win. So weird finish, but Senshi won. So I was happy about it. Again, just like the whole um, PD Williams and, uh, and Jay Lethal match, you didn't mm-hmm. need this extra stuff. You had two fantastic matches that could have been, you know, uh, yeah. five, four and a half star matches for the night for you, and you just tossed all this crap onto it. Yeah, well, maybe the next match could have used a sex doll. We got <laughs> Rhino versus Christian Cage. So two uh, two good friends here, all the way back to their uh, beginnings of wrestling pre WWE. Um, Christian just recently turned heel at the last pay per view. He uh, turned heel on Sting, although him and Sting haven't had a comp- confrontation. I guess Sting kind of left, but he comes back about for glory. But in the meantime, Rhino is pissed off at Christian for turning on Sting. Christian said that uh, he was playing second fiddle to Sting and said he was sick of it. Sting should be second fiddle to him. And then him and Rhino start getting personal with each other. Christian's like, why are you defending Sting? I was the one back in when you broke your neck. I was at the hospital and like all that kind of stuff. Um, But ultimately, they come to fisticuffs on impact. And Christian lays Rhino out with a concerto, gives him a concussion, which the way they portray this in this show is something because Rhino's cutting a promo earlier in the night. He is, you know, the Rhino promo. It's just a lot of yelling. But at, like, after every sentence, he like pauses for a few seconds to like kind of catch himself because he's concussed, I guess, which is 
a sign of the times because this would not fly nowadays. But that's really the main theme of this CTV, match. Is, yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> He's a rhino. He's a rhino. Um, but yeah, Rhino's selling the concussion throughout this entire match, and Christian takes advantage of it. It's, it's pretty much the theme of this match, but um, I don't know. What'd you think of it? Well, first off, since I'm doing the uh, wrestling with the war thing and looking back at the, the mid nineties uh, stuff, I can't, I can now never get the idea of Rhino uh, carrying Mabel's uh, throne out <laughs> during oh, the, shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> during that era. I just, it, it doesn't leave my brain now, I but I forgot about that for me. It, first off, it was, uh, to me, it was crazy how different Christian looked like he had the fuller face and stuff like that. He just, right. it doesn't even, he looks almost unrecognizable at this point. He's got the same body basically, but just, you know, his face mm-hmm. is different, but, uh, I don't know what it, what it is about this match and these two guys, but to me, <clears throat> while I'm watching, I'm thinking I'm just watching a couple of mid carters go at it, but they're giving them a main event level of mm-hmm. spot here. And, um, to me, Christian just, even when he was like, uh, the world champion of WWE just never felt like that top spot guy. And uh, I think Christian, my favorite work right now is him in AEW at the moment. Cause he's just fantastic in the, in yeah. the character that he's portraying at the moment. But uh, yeah, I don't know what it was, but the, the match was decent. Uh, but to me, it's no different than a match you would have saw on raw or SmackDown back in the day between those two guys. And it just, I realized they had the story of the intensity of everything and you got the concussion, but it, again, it just didn't feel like uh it didn't feel like a pay-per-view worthy match in my opinion. Yeah. It definitely felt like they wanted it to be more epic than it was yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and Ryan, Rhino's just never really done it for me outside of like hardcore style matches. Yeah. Uh, Christian, like you said, I mean, he definitely, I don't know. His 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 heel run in TNA is some of the best work of his career, which is just kicking off at this point. So mm-hmm. a massive improvement from where he's been in the past few months, because his, his, he came in as a babyface, didn't really it was fine, but it was very uninspired. But once he turns heel, he like turns it up a little yeah. bit and he, he does some good stuff. But he just doesn't um, have a likable face. <laughs> really, <laughs> well, I think that's the idea. He really doesn't. But, you know, and then. And, I, I will give them props. The recap prior to the match did a great job of, of summarizing mm-hmm. everything like that. They both had good intensity to start things off, but I, I just, even like the ending to me was weak. Like the, the ref, you know, the ref bump. And then, yeah. you know, you had the ref wake up just in time to grab the chair from Rhino, but then he, for some reason he falls back asleep with the chair and then very convoluted. Oh you know, yeah. But that's uh that's TNA for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, like I said, Christian dominates most of this due to the uh, concussion of Rhino. But Rhino gets a little flurry at the end. He hits a belly to belly. He hits a, uh, he counters a spear into a TKO. Uh, But ultimately, the ref takes a tumble at some point. I think Christian accidentally clotheslines him or something. Uh, So Christian takes this opportunity to try to hit him with a concerto again, but this time it misses, and Rhino is able to hit the gore, but there's still no ref. So Rhino goes to do his own concerto, but the ref is alive again, revives miraculously, takes the chair away from Rhino as he picks it up, but he falls back down in the opposite direction somehow. Christian's able to hit a low blow and an unprettier onto the chair, slides the chair out, refs back up again, (laughs) makes the pin, and Christian gets the cheeky win over Rhino. So Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, like the match is what it is. I I I I do like the story that they're trying to get over here. Was it the most captivating match? No, but I do like heel Christian here. And it's it's a massive improvement from what I've seen from him character wise. So right. I, I thought it was a uh I thought this was fine for what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh after that we get I think it's safe to say match of the night. We got the NWA World Tag Team Titles on the line for the first time ever in Ultimate X, the Latin American Exchange, the champions of uh, Hernandez and Homicide versus the team of AJ Styles and Christopher Daniels. Uh, I could have sworn they did this match at Bound for Glory, but I guess they <laughs> I guess they didn't. But uh, <laughs> so LAX, so this is a, a great feud. This has been and it's very very simplistic i mean overall you have lax a a mexican group that thinks they've been held down by the white man you got aj and daniels that say it doesn't matter what your race is we're just better than you and they got all that going on so um they've on impacts they've done a uh, a border brawl match which is how lax won the titles in the first place they did a uh they did an angle where is I guess Hispanic Heritage Month, which was was September. Um, they had like a little thing in the ring. They had pinatas. They had all like the stereotypical Mexican stuff. And AJ and Daniels come out, and I I forget who it is. I think it's AJ. They like hang up from the rafters like a pinata, and they hit them with the kendo sticks. It's goofy shit, but very entertaining. Uh, and Ultimate X, these guys in this match, I thought this was awesome. What do you think about it? This was from the time they start interviewing Conan back in the parking mm. lot till the end of this match is my favorite part of the show because the intensity of Conan here is off the charts, which yeah. I love. I also love the fact that he calls Eric Young a walking glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to steal that one. He literally did. It's like, this is 2006. I'm like, this is aggressive for 2006 here. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he calls him that, but he's a he's intense. Then Homicide and Hernandez behind him. You know, Homicide does his little rap, and, and it's like just intensity. The whole package that they did for this match was unreal. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the they told the story well, but then of course they also had like just graphic graphic uh, images of like the bloodletting from the from some of the previous uh, matches they the had close ups of them like closing up their cuts with stitches was gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. And then of course you also had that in, in ring, in ring interview with uh, AJ and Christopher Daniels with Don West. Right. I was getting the kick out of Don West and his facials during it. He's so intense, like doing the interview, Yeah, but it, but it was good. It was a good interview and it, you're right. It was like the whole story is we don't care about race. We're just the better team and let's leave it at that. And then this whole match was just so good. It, it literally felt like a, a a fight between four people that do not like each other. And, um, you know, it felt like this is kind of something that like Daniels didn't really need to go through it. He'd kind of been established, but it was kind of like AJ needed to go through this to toughen up a bit and get some scars on him and all that stuff. And this was a great team to have it. I was always a fan of LAX. I think they were fantastic, man. This, especially this version with Conan managing and homicide and Hernandez. They're a great team. Yeah, it was and you said it, it was intense and that that's what made this so good. And it was two teams that actually hated each other and wanted to hurt each other. And 
that with the intensity, it just, yeah. it, they were so good at executing that. And that, I think that's why this was so good. Yeah. Interesting too, Kyle, because technically it's very similar aside from the ultimate X thing going on, but very similar to the, the three way that you had with, uh, Ryan, with, um, uh, Raven and, and Abyss and Runt. But in that match, it just felt like three guys that were put together and were doing a hardcore match. Right. This match felt like there was some stakes on this one. It felt like these teams actually hated each other, and it was an a, a brawl with some extra stuff that they could use against each other. So I really enjoyed the, this whole thing. Yeah. And I'll, I'll also say, I think this was a star-making performance for Hernandez in this match because he looked like a monster in there, just throwing these guys around that power bomb he did where he had him on his shoulders and he tossed him like five feet in the air, the cracker Jack off the top rope. Um, Cause Hernandez has been one of the, cause LAX had 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 a few iterations. One was homicide and I think his name was Apollo. And then they had homicide and machete and now it's homicide and Hernandez, which is like, I agree. Probably the best version of LAX because they would go on to have future versions. Um, but yeah, awesome match here. Yep. You got uh, AJ swinging from the wires. Homicide's like swinging AJ. He's like about to toss him again, like into the 12th row. And then he like swings him into the ropes. He guillotines himself on the top rope. You got Homicide and AJ are fighting on the wires. They're both climbing it. And then uh, Homicide hits an ace crusher from the top of the wires, which looked awesome. We got uh, Hernandez trying to climb the wires, but AJ pulls him on to homicide. I don't know. Anything else stick out to you in this match in particular? Yeah. Well, I think you named off a bunch of them. Uh, of course, like the styles clash on the, uh, onto the, uh, ch- the table on the outside yeah, yeah. was just a cool spot there. Um, what else? Oh, the tope. I guess you call it was a rolling tope through the middle rope by homicide. Oh, when he yeah. literally went through the crowd with, it was like it was Orange Cassidy style speed or sorry, Darby Allen style speed as far as that tope. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool. Um, the, all the stuff you mentioned. I mean, the ending was was interesting. I didn't expect that. You want to talk about ankle breaking. How about uh, Christopher Daniels descent down? Like I'm sure Jim Cordette was backstage thinking about that <laughs> scaffold match and all that. But yeah, it was just a great, great fight. I mean, Conan's in there. He's man conan's jacked at this point too like it's just crazy gorilla um oh man like it just they felt like a dangerous group and that i love a heel group in wrestling that feels dangerous mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah they, they they were definitely a credible team they walked in the champions but they did not walk out the champions because even though they tried to use a ladder to get to the belt very uh i think that which i liked boys. I like <laughs> the that. Dudley boys would go on to do that later, but I forgot the LAX did it here. Um, but ultimately the finish comes when uh, Daniels, they do this sick combo on homicide where Daniels hits him with a urinagi. AJ jumps over him into a frog splash. Daniels hits the BME. And then uh, this might've been on Hernandez. Even a- that AJ hits this heavy, heavy spiral tap on Hernandez lands yes. ass first on him. <laughs> it couldn't have been heavier. Uh, and then you get the styles clash on the table on the homicide. Conan sees his boys are laid out, so he tries to uh, handle it himself with a kendo stick, chases Daniels away, so Daniels can't climb on the wires. So what does Daniels do? The only reasonable thing is to climb the truss that is holding up these wires, stands on top of the truss, 
leaps into the middle of the X and lands on it somehow, grabs the titles and wins the tag team titles. So AJ and Daniels, once again, the tag team champions. Uh, yeah, death, death defying finish yeah. for sure. But I think that matched the uh, the urgency that they were trying to portray here. And yeah, it was just awesome. Awesome match from start to finish, I thought. Even uh, even at the end, Conan uh, just tosses his kendo stick at Daniels in one last effort to get him to yes. stop. It's like perfect, you know, just something simple like that. Of course, you're going to do that in a regular. If you're in real life, you're doing mm-hmm. everything to knock that guy down. You'll fire off a stick at the guy. Sure, you know exactly. Yeah. Yes, the little things, the little mm-hmm. things. Well, that brings us to our main event here. We got a uh, which should have been that should have been that match actually. Is actually, yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so it's non-title. We got Jeff Jarrett versus Samoa Joe in a fans revenge lumberjack match. And, uh, it was like what, how you described Christian and Rhino is exactly how I felt about this match. It just did. Mm-hmm. This did not feel like a pay-per-view main event match, although it should, because Jarrett is Mr. TNA. He's the <laughs> dominant world champion. You got Samoa Joe undefeated for over a year, monster, unstoppable, for all intents and purposes, this should be an epic match. But the, all the bullshit with the fans and their straps, the fact that it's non-title, the fact that this is all just like a side quest for Jarrett because he has a already has a title match scheduled for Bound for Glory against Sting. It, it could have been so much better, but it wasn't. But um, I don't know, man. It's, like I said, it, we kind of talked about it earlier, but Jarrett... He's had a checkered past in TNA. He's had screw job finishes. Uh, I think it was Slammiversary. Earl Hebner screwed Christian and Sting out of the ladder match by knocking him over. He had the fans pelting the ring with trash. He had Larry Zabisco, who's like an authority figure, helping Jarrett in these matches. And then on Impact, Jarrett has to take a polygraph lie detector test. And it is all bunch of questions he was asked but he was lying about i think it was did, did larry zabisco help you in any of your title matches and Jarrett said no and then Cornette's like a you're a goddamn liar so that's <laughs> why we have this match but uh <laughs> Jarrett comes out and all of his shirts like you said uh do you watch friends by any chance i did back in the day but not anymore <laughs> do you know the episode where uh joey is wearing all of chandler's clothes Yes, that's, that's yeah. what I thought about when I saw this. It was very, yeah. very smart on his part. Um, great, great heel tactic. Yeah, I, I don't know what you think about this, this gimmick of this match in general, I guess. Uh, this match works back in 1986 in Memphis. It doesn't. Yes, it doesn't work here. And the other thing you hit the nail on the head, there was no there was no title involved. So that completely made it not a main event match for a pay-per-view. Like, I don't know why. Mm-hmm this went in the main event spot besides it being Jarrett and his company, but uh, they should have known that that tag team match was going to just blow the doors off the thing. And there was so much heat to it that you needed a resolve for that. So of course it should have been your main event, but yeah, it just, it was just old school Memphis wrestling is what it was. And, and like I said, I probably would have enjoyed this in 1986, but in 2006 mm-hmm. it was just stupid. And it was back then you could almost believe that they you know, they, that this could legit happen, but now the fans were obvious plants. They were like ridiculous. Right. Like there was one woman that ringside that supposedly Jared had done something to, 
previous and like she's just holding the thing up like oh i'm gonna get you i'm gonna get you but she never does actually whip the guy it's just you know and meanwhile at one point like he's outside the ring because he has to get his guitar and he did he's like taking whipping after whipping and it doesn't even affect him because right. he's just so gonna like, get what is he scared about yeah yeah just it just it is a lot more believable back in the day and it's just some matches just don't you know, transfer to modern times, right? Some angles do, and they should be reused, but this one didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a similar thought. We're just way too far gone from this being a, a, uh, realistic type of like, like realistic in that, you know, the fans don't actually hate Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. You know, that the people watching these fans don't actually think that the fans, it's, it just wasn't, you know, a recipe for success, but um, we do, I mean, you know, silver lining, we do get Samoa Joe in the main event of a pay-per-view. It was good to see him in this big spot. We get the classic Joe stuff, the, uh, the Uranagi in the corner. We got all the sentons, the, uh, the spot where Jarrett goes for a cross body and Joe just walks away from him. The classic Joe stuff. It's classic Joe. <laughs> um, Joe at, at one point asks one of the fans for a belt and he does some whipping himself. Uh, there's a spot where Joe holds Jarrett up against the ropes and he tells the fans to get in the ring and they take turns whipping him inside the ring. So they did what they could with it. I don't know. Do you think they could have used a different weapon? Maybe would that have made it more, uh, more entertaining? Maybe like a, uh, a barbed wire bat. Everyone has a barbed wire bat, <laughs> a flaming barbed wire bat. Ooh, there we go. I like what you're th- Don't let Russo hear you because <laughs> he'll make that a thing somewhere. Uh, but yeah, but towards the end, like you said, Jarrett goes out in the sea of belts, grabs his guitar, swings it at Joe. Joe ducks, locks in the choke, but Jarrett gets to the ropes. And then at some point, Jarrett hits Joe with a low blow and hits him with the stroke onto the guitar, which I feel like wouldn't add a lot of, I don't know. Um, but only for a two count. And then somewhere out of it felt kind of anticlimactic, but Joe hits the muscle buster and gets the win. So I was I was surprised that Joe gets the win, a clean win over the world champion leading into their biggest pay-per-view of the year. But I guess with all the fan shenanigans, maybe it's not so clean. I don't know. But it was cool to see Joe walk out with a win here. But otherwise, I didn't really (laughs) care for this too much. Yeah, Yeah, not not a way to end a pay-per-view. Especially with how much money there could have been in a, this era of Jeff Jarrett versus this era of Samoa Joe. Like, that could have been your Bound for Glory match, but it's just a kind of a side thing that didn't really matter. Uh, but we're not, we're not finished here, old British Columbia. We got <laughs> Jim Cornette is out here. And like we said, they've been building up to this throughout the entire show. Cornette has an announcement. Well, I guess he has two announcements, the first of which is that in November, because we're in at the end of September here, November, TNA is going prime time on Spike, which is huge for them, that they get the 9 p.m. slot. There's still an hour, I believe, but still, still moving in the right direction. But as Cornette says, that's not the announcement. That was his announcement. The announcement is that old boy Kurt Angle is coming to TNA the classic, <laughs> it puts the mouthpiece in. I feel like I see that gif all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Um, that was more Jim Ross than anything. But <laughs> yeah, Kurt Angle coming to TNA. And you said that that was kind of when you jumped back in when you got there. 
Well, I I kind of been you know, following a little bit, but then yeah, I definitely it, it piqued my interest to see what was going to happen with Kurt Angle being there, and of course, any yeah. of that epic feud with Samoa Joe that they had and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, again, <laughs> typical TNA. Let's throw a hat on a hat. So we have this major announcement that we're going to do throughout the whole night, and we've been teasing that it's a, a wrestler who's not signed for that show that night is going to be making it, and. Actually, the wrestler didn't make the announcement, so that was false advertising. <laughs> I thought but, the same thing. But let's 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 throw a hat on a hat and put a, another announcement underneath it. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. so what the hell are you doing? And then perfect thing that they could have done, they could have went back to like a shot back to Jarrett and she is reaction to Angle, but they just kind of closed the show just with the video yes. of, of of Angle. I don't know why they didn't do that either. That was bizarre. I know they did like release a clip of the reaction at some point. You can go on YouTube now and see the reaction, but they might even do show it on impact the next week. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was because at this point I was like dipping my toes into TNA starting to watch it. But I remember when Kurt Angle was announced to be jumping over. That's like when I was every week I'm watching. So it accomplished what they were set out to accomplish. And obviously it was Kurt, a big deal. I remember it being a big deal back then when he yeah. went over to TNA. Yeah. I think it Kurt, legitimized them. I think Kurt, Kurt would end up wrestling for TNA longer than he wrestled for WWE, which is, I believe incredible. you're right. Yeah. So obviously huge, uh, huge thing getting started here. The era of perk angle is upon us. So I'm looking hate- forward to watching some of that. I hate when people reference that. It's like, yeah. oh man, like I'm just glad that he survived that era. Yeah. Like, so, so many deaths back then. Like, I don't know how he kicked out of that. Yeah. I think it's the fact that he did kick out, I guess, eventually, but it's, it's going to be something to watch, but uh, it'll be a thing. One step closer to main event mafia, I guess. Can't wait yes. for that. Yeah. The, uh, the shenanigans of TNA never stop, but uh, yeah, man. <laughs> There's the there's no surrender. But speaking of no surrender, uh, any other overall thoughts of this of this show? I think we covered most of it, right? Well, yeah, and, and now, now going through it, it sounds like we just hated the show because it sounds like we just like, <laughs> kind of rip it on things. But it, honestly, I didn't hate the show. Like, I mean, it was good, good stuff. It's like it's just <clears throat> they had to sprinkle too much on things. But like, you had some amazing matches that just had some crappy endings to them. Uh, no matter what that that whole x division ultimate x uh battle makes this a great show because it was just so good like it was like even somebody who wasn't you know um watching the shows leading up to it right away i knew that this feud was insane it was intense and this was going to be a good match and it delivered so that was really good um what else like uh everything else was like decent um the the abyss uh, match was good and um you know just it's it's just tna you know like it's they they tna'd it and they, that's what they do but um it's like middle of the road with a with a little extra so uh, six out of ten yeah. we'll say yeah you know the, this show is like a uh like a nice plate of poutine like just a perfect <laughs> for perfect serving of it but with little pellets of rat feces spread throughout, like most of it's good. Like the, the bones of it for the most part are good, but it's to a point where it's like, can I really enjoy this? I mean, I might eat around it, but, uh, but that being said, if you want to hear more about poutine and hockey and meese and the Mountie, well, I strongly suggest you go check out wrestling with all, all the things wrestling with the truth, wrestling with the eighties, wrestling with the war. 
Uh, once again, BC, thank you for uh, coming back on, talking some wrestling. Where can everybody find you and listen to you? Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on once again. This is always a pleasure. Um, yeah, for Wrestling With The Truth, which includes Wrestling With The War, so it's uh, it's the audio podcast. Uh, go check it out on whatever you know app that you want to use for that. So right now, I'm kind of going back and forth with Wrestling With The Truth and Wrestling With The War, so we're talking you know, some modern stuff and some, uh, and some of the attitude era stuff, but, uh, and then over on YouTube, go to, uh, wrestling with the eighties, which is my YouTube channel dedicated to, as you can guess the 1980s wrestling. And, uh, you know, just actually recorded something with Ted, the hillbilly heel last night that I'm hoping to nice. release in the next, uh, week or so once the editing gets done on it. But, um, yeah, that channel's doing well and, uh, got some, some fun things in the hopper for that one. And then I also have another YouTube channel for wrestling with the truth, which is more focused on the modern stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of both, but yeah, head on over to YouTube. You can find me there and social media and all that jazz. I'm, I'm on there. So find me. Was there wrestling in the 1880s? Uh, I think there was. Yeah. It wasn't Abraham Lincoln, a famous wrestler back in 1860. <laughs> so, you know, he was a, Champion like, wrestler. <laughs> that is true, isn't it? Wasn't he like yeah, a? He was, he, yeah. He wrestled bears or something, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, he had could... the he had the first belt match, the country whipping match. It was the first one. Right? Oh god. <laughs> Once again, thank you to BC from Wrestling with the Truth for joining me on this lovely, lovely podcast. Follow BC on all of his various podcasts and all the social medias. All of that will be in the description below. Great follow on Twitter. Great listen. Love the podcast. Love him. But not like in a weird way. Follow me at Apron Bump on all the social medias. All of them. Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, I'm running out of obscure social medias to joke about. We do MySpace. What was the one that people like tried to hop onto when they thought Twitter was dying? Hive? Is that a thing? Yeah, follow me on my hive. Bzzz. Could just could just been something I made up. Is that a sex app? Um, anyways, with that, I think that's about all Daddy has for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. Stay safe out there. Tell your neighbor that you love them. And jiggle your dog's balls. <laughs> I'm hard. Walk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud, nothing can knock it Let's get it started, it's the hardest Walk around and disregard it Trip you off the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong and proud, nothing can knock it